Hey there, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Anne, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results, so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Anne, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and health coach specializing in treating cholesterol without medication. You can learn more about me at drann.com, spelled A-N-H as in health. First off, this week needs to begin with an apology, because last week I said I was going to get the link up on Stephen's show notes page so you could get the checklist for finding a high-quality olive oil when you enter your name and email address. But there wasn't anywhere for you to leave your name and email address on his page. I was going to stay up all night to create that, but I decided I really needed to just take a break. So I did. And I'm sorry if I let you down, but I've just been really tired and exhausted and been burning the, the candle at both ends for the past two months. So I just really wanted to take some time for me. With that being said, though, um, everyone who signed up for the love letters at drand.com will get this olive oil shopping checklist in the next newsletter. Also, um, I've been planning to play around with a new format for the Food as Medicine show. I really want to provide a way for you to get involved with a guest if you want to. So I've been planning to do some live podcasts. If you can't make the live podcast, it'll be aired as a Monday episode, so don't worry. But if you want to participate, our first one will be on Wednesday, August 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Pacific, and our guest will be Dr. Chantel Reagan, who is a functional pharmacist specializing in helping people reduce ADHD symptoms with simple lifestyle modifications. You can sign up to listen to this podcast live and ask your questions at the end by going to drann.com slash live or texting FAM live to 33444. That's FAM for Food as Medicine live, all one word. And make sure you follow the instructions on the text message that you receive to make sure you are registered. Before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions. And the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Maria Claps, who is a certified holistic health coach. I met her and her husband, Dr. Daniel Claps, in Austin at the Paleo FX Conference back in April. She specializes in natural hormone balance and optimal nutrition, and her practice is in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. In today's show with Maria, we chat about how to upgrade your breakfast so that it gives you better nutrition and longer-lasting energy, her best tips for making healthy eating work on a busy schedule, when during your menstrual cycle you are most productive, how to manage PMS naturally, why women should start planning for and thinking about menopause at age 30, and more. And just a quick warning that we will be talking about periods and menstruation in this episode, so consider this your fair warning if you get squeamish about that topic. All right, let's go chat with Maria. Hi, this is Dr. Ann from the Food as Medicine Show, and I'm so excited to have Maria Klaas with us today. Maria is a health coach who specializes in women's hormonal health and is a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program with Reed Davis. She has also studied with Dr. Sarah Gottfried to learn how to help women balance their hormones naturally. She's also currently enrolled in the Third Age Women's Wellness Program with Jenny Burrell of Burrell Education out of the UK. She is a wife and mother to four grown children. She is passionate about sharing how women can move through their different life phases with their health, energy, and enthusiasm intact. She knows it can be done. After getting through pregnancy, PMS, and menopause, 
She is well aware of the joys and challenges of all the stages of womanhood and wants to help other women celebrate each phase of their lives with excellent nutrition and lifestyle management. Welcome, Maria, to the show. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. It was such a coincidence that we ran into each other in Austin at the Paleo Conference. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, um, now you're here and we're chatting together. So I'm so excited to have I you. I know. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. It was great to meet you as well. It was a great time, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because you're a Jersey girl and that's where I'm originally from. And then you were saying how you visited Wisconsin um, to visit the standard process facility. So it's just, it's like, it's such a small world and how things like that happen, you know? I know, I hear you. I, and I saw your uh, your area code. I was like, what? She's <laughs> <laughs> from Jersey? <laughs> yes, a small world. You know, it's just like, yeah. I feel like it's part of my identity. I don't want to get rid of my phone number because everyone has it and it's just who I am. I'm a Jersey girl. So, um, oh, Very good, very good. You'll have to visit up here again sometime. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm really interested to hearing about, you know, how your journey started and um, how you got to where you are now with helping women and their hormonal balance. Um, so can you kind of just share your story and, and how you got to where you are today? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Okay. So I really have to credit my parents. I think it started way back when. I was um, raised by health-conscious parents, and um, I would not say that they were hippies by any means, although my mom did have some sayings up by... Um, <laughs> Cahill Gibran on the walls and some felt posters, but, you know, really not hippies, just kind of health conscious, and I didn't grow up eating, you know, sugary cereal or drinking soda, and, you know, they weren't um, fanatical about it, so I wasn't one of those kids that used to, you know, sneak sugar cubes at the family parties or anything like that, but I grew up with the real um, appreciation for the natural world and just kind of eating, you know, as close to the land as possible. And incidentally, even though I'm in New Jersey now, I, I actually grew up in New York City. So, mm-hmm. and I still had this, um, you know, even though it was a very urban area, we had a little garden and, you know, we had some, uh, I think we had some raw milk delivered and it was, I'm going back a while. So I credit my parents and then basically, you know, growing up and going to college and just kind of, getting into that busyness of life, I had really, really bad, um, really bad PMS. And I knew that there was an answer for me that did not rely on Advil or a prescription drug. Although I have taken Advil, but when I was able to heal my own hormones and realize that it was a hormonal imbalance, um, that's when I really got started in interested being interested in helping other women because I, I just really enjoy helping people and I knew that I could help them because I was able to, uh, you know, kind of cure my own PMS. Um, and then I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and realized that, wow, this really is my calling. Working with women is my calling. Not trying to solve everyone's problem, but just really working with women who have hormonal problems. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Sure. So um, when it comes to PMS, like, what did you find worked for you to help control some of the symptoms? Great. So um, <clears throat> what I found worked for me for PMS was not um, – I was actually vegetarian and, and vegan for quite a while. And while I was always healthy, 
Um, you know, I had a fairly, you know, good functioning immune system. Um, I, I do believe that being vegan for a spell and even being vegetarian um, was pretty hormonally imbalancing for me. So when I cleaned up my diet and actually added in the, you know, the cod liver oil and the, you know, little bit of um, fats from animal sources and uh, the vitamin A from, you know, the the preformed vitamin A from, uh, you know, animal sources, um, that definitely helped. Um, stress management helped and some herbs helped. I like um, chase tree particularly for PMS problems. I find for most women it works really well. Sure. Now, is it like a step-wise process where you, um, when you help women with PMS, you know, first you address their nutritional deficiencies and then you add on herbs um, and stress management or you kind of throw it all at them? Like how, how do you kind of figure out what's going to work for them? Sure, that's a really great question. Um, so what I like to do is, you know, I, I start everyone who comes to coach with me on what I call the breakfast upgrade because it's it's really, really simple and I think people see some pretty good results <clears throat> straight up front from it and and it's it's easy to do and we upgrade their breakfast. So I, I have them try three breakfasts and I get women to listen to themselves. I, you know, I think part of the problem with um, healthcare in this country and probably why we're not as healthy as we could be is because we stop listening to our bodies. Um, we listen to everyone else, and believe me, I'm, I give people <laughs> advice. I want to help people. I want people to listen to me. But if even what I'm saying is not working or it's not resonating, for them, then they need to listen to what their own body is telling them. So, so just to get back to that, we, we start with a breakfast upgrade. Um, and then before, we also do a, I run people through a saliva, salivary hormone panel because I don't want to guess. I really want to know what their hormones are. And if I have like a young, younger woman coming to me, like right now I'm working with some some teens and some girls in their early 20s, you know, some college um, and some graduate students, um, you know, that's actually awesome for them because they kind of get a baseline, at, you know, that if they ever need to do some, you know, you know, adding in some hormones, which is something I don't do, but if they decide, like, say, later in life, maybe in their early 40s or early 50s, they'll they'll have a baseline test. So, so um, you know, whatever age someone else, someone is, whether they are, you know, in their teens or 20s um, or 30s or 40s, if they're having problems with PMS, um, it's likely a hormone imbalance, and I definitely always start with a with a hormone panel. Um, and then before we can apply any kind of uh, regimen and even something like uh, progesterone cream and other hormones which are over-the-counter, I want women to look at liver health, gut health, and another huge one is blood sugar balance um, and obviously nutrient density as well. And that's how we start with the breakfast upgrade. We start getting them to eat real nutrient-dense food. Sure. So um, I'm interested about that breakfast upgrade. So um, what do you typically have people do differently with their breakfast? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question because um, 
Uh, I would say probably about half my clients do not eat breakfast or they have, um, you know, they're having something like a yogurt, maybe with a little bit of fruit and they think that, you know, that's really healthy. I, I don't think that that is enough calories. Um, I think you need to have a pretty sizable breakfast. So what I will tell my clients to do if they have the time, uh, and I'm hoping that they will make the time for this, and it doesn't have to be every day that they do this. Um, as long as they're not sensitive to eggs, I want them to have two uh, soft eggs where the yolks are soft so that we can preserve the choline, which you know is a great brain nutrient. Um, and then I want them to have a copious amount of vegetables with those eggs. Uh, it could be sautéed kale, peppers, onions, um, you know, some shredded carrots. It can be all those things mixed in. It really should cover like three-quarters of the plate. And I would say almost everyone who does that um, reports really well that, you know, it held them well. And, you know, in terms of blood sugar balance, I tell my clients that that breakfast should hold you for at least four hours and that if you're eating all day, every two to three hours, you are not balancing your blood sugar. So I like that breakfast, you know, eggs with vegetables is my primary, you know, that's like number one on the breakfast upgrade. Um, and number two is going to be just a really great nutrient-dense smoothie with some clean protein and some healthy fat and some fiber in it. And number three is actually a bowl of steel-cut oats that I hope everyone soaks, but I know not everyone gives that amount of attention to their diet. Um, and I have them put, you know, a little bit of healthy fat in those oats as well, again, to with a nod towards blood sugar balance. Um, and they have to, you know, really tune into their bodies and see what which one of those three breakfasts makes them feel the best. Do they have energy? How long does it hold them for? Do they have any gaps in bloating afterwards? And then we start to figure out, you know, what what food plan is going to work for them. So that gets, that we, we get a lot out of that breakfast upgrade. It's a really great exercise that we use while we're working on, I'm sorry, while we're waiting for the results of that hormone test to come back. Sure. So then they have like three different options for different breakfasts that they can make, um, which makes sense. And then like if they don't have time to cook eggs in the morning, they can just throw a smoothie together or do some steel-cut oats overnight and then it'll be more convenient in the morning. Um, so exactly. Mm-hmm. With the um, with the eggs and the the vegetables, do you encourage them to cook them in like a high fat content, like butter or ghee or something, so then it holds them over longer? Or um, yeah, how do you instruct mm-hmm. them to cook it? Right. So what I tell them about the eggs with vegetables breakfast is definitely right. We want my mantra for healthy eating is fat, fiber, protein at every meal and preferably preferably every snack as well. You know, we maybe don't have to be that um, strict with the snacks, but, you know, I always tell people that it is likely going to be better for you with your snacks that you have an, not just an apple. You have an apple with that tablespoon of almond butter. It's going to – I'm big on helping people to balance their blood sugar because I really think that is one of the um, alpha hormones in the body, that insulin, so – um, yeah. In terms of cooking the the vegetables, yes, I like coconut oil. Um, 
and I'm going to be experimenting with the the fats from a company called Fatworks. I don't know, maybe have you heard of Fatworks? Yeah, I have. Um, I have their tallow and their lard and their um, their leaf lard as well because I heard that's a little bit more of a neutral flavor. Um, okay. <laughs> so I've had I've had them for a while. I've just uh, I've kind of been a little nervous or just not sure how to cook. Like what, how to use those uh, those fats? So um, I guess I'm just waiting for a good recipe. Um, maybe oh I sure, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you should probably um, just try it with vegetables, right? I'm, <laughs> I can't wait to try their duck fat. Yeah, you know when I tried to order it, it was like out of stock for a really oh, long time. So okay. um, I guess okay. you must have lucked out when they came back in stock. Yep, yep, yep. So. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely some healthy fat. I know everyone's afraid of fat, right? Yeah, you know, and I think I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, I think my mission in life is to get more people to eat healthy fat. <laughs> because I think we've been so um, ingrained with the idea that fat, eating fat will make us fat, and that's not the case. And we need healthy fat in our diet for ourselves to function properly and our brains to function properly and, um, and for us to lose weight. So um, I think that as a single day, I'm like, that must be my mission in life. <laughs> that sounds good. So, and also you forgot we need that fat to build our hormones because, right, it's that fat, that, that healthy fat, dietary fat that combines with B5 to make cholesterol, which makes the pregnenolone, and that's where all of our hormones come from. So, you know, if I see someone with a, like a really low cholesterol number mm-hmm. um and you probably know more about this than i do but um you know it's i'm thinking oh okay and if you've got hormone imbalance you may not have enough raw material to build those hormones with yeah so um then how much fat are you finding that you're recommending to your clients um that they add to their meals on a regular basis right so so like i said i I do recommend fat, fiber, protein at every meal. And, you know, I don't really get too, I don't focus too heavily on the macronutrient ratios, but I like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with breakfast, you're probably, if, if you're having the amount of vegetables that I want you to have, which, like I said, should fill up almost all the space that isn't there for the two, you know, that's outside of, like, the room that the two poached eggs take up on your plate, for, like three-quarters, of vegetables, you know, you're probably going to be sautéing in about a tablespoon of um, fat. And then, you know, at lunchtime, if, if you don't have some healthy fat in your lunch, you're going to be starving at, you know, 3.30, 4, 5 o'clock. Um, so, so probably, you know, at that point, it's going to be, you know, either a handful of nuts um, with your lunch or some avocado or, you know, if you're doing something you know, really full-on paleo, it's just going to be, you know, sometimes I'll tell you I'll just have, you know, burger without the bun, like a nice grass-fed, um, grass-finished burger, and, you know, that's, that's got a, plenty of fat in it. Um, so I don't really count the ratios. I just want people to have what I'm going to say is like a reasonable amount of fat at each meal. And, I, you know, typically in terms of portion size, you know, it, it's a little hard, right, to measure fat because the fat is, is wrapped in some things like the grass-fed burger, um, mm-hmm. but you know I would say like a thumb size or a tablespoon size um, if you're using just pure fat. Sure. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. Um, 
So, okay, so you have them upgrade their breakfast, you send it for the saliva test, and then the results come back. And then um, do you use the saliva test results to guide what you do next in terms of their nutrition? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, we use the saliva blood, I'm sorry, saliva test results to look at what they're doing in terms of, you know, their, their cortisol curve throughout the day. So that definitely helps with, um, you know, I, I, good nutrition is the underpinning for everything. Um, and then, um, it also helps to inform which supplements they're going to be taking as well. Because, you know, if they have really high cortisol at night and they're not sleeping, then we want to lower that cortisol. Um, if they have really low cortisol in the morning, that's actually, um, something that we want to look at. You know, what, what's, what, you know, are you drinking too much coffee? Because, you know, that can drive cortisol up too much. And then anytime you drive cortisol up for too long, it's going to end up being low. Um, if cortisol is high in the afternoon, right, that is typically we look at what are you eating for lunch um, because then that looks like at that point high afternoon cortisol looks like food sensitivities. So, yeah, the salivary uh, profile definitely has a lot of clues for us. And, and we do, you know, look to improve nutrition and look for food sensitivities depending on what the individual readings throughout the day say. You said something really interesting just now. You said high cortisol in the afternoon can look like food sensitivity. Um, yeah, can you explain it's, yeah. a little bit about that? Right. So uh, when I studied with Reed Davis of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, you know, he has a database of, you know, thousands and thousands of these lab results. And um, what he taught me was um, that, the the cortisol reading is is great and it's interesting and we don't we don't just treat test results so you know we don't say oh you have uh, low cortisol in the morning so let's give you some licorice root to bring that up now we can do that as as palliative care to help someone to actually feel better because like we want someone to stick with their program we want them to feel better we want them to have the energy and the motivation right to keep on like looking for um, the causes behind why, you know, that cortisol is low or high or just off balance. So um, Reed explained that the afternoon cortisol in his database of like 20,000 patients, high afternoon would correlate with food sensitivity. So if I, mm. I see that, I'm going to, um, we're going to then look at like an elimination diet to figure out Go what ahead. it is that's causing that, that cortisol to spike in the afternoon. Have you seen any patterns um, where there's common food sensitivities that are occurring? I see a lot of women that I work with, I see dairy as a, food, as a very common food sensitivity. I've had women tell me that they've been able to lose weight um, that their skin clears up when they go off dairy, um, you know, that the, their face kind of slims out a little, um, that they don't have the gas and the bloating and the fatigue. So that, that's a pretty common one, you know, in, hmm. in my clients. Sure. Well, thanks. So 
Okay, so then it sounds like, you know, you get the results back and you, you kind of use the results to help guide you, but it's not like the end-all, be-all. Um, Correct. And then you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that you're doing a lot of different types of support, so like liver support, gut support, um, balancing blood sugar, and then increasing nutrient density. So do you think this is kind of like the framework that you use for, for the majority of the, the women that you're seeing? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I actually, and my my kind of typical client is is a woman. I want to say it's a woman who's about forty five, you know, give or take a few years. I, I mean, I, I just mentioned to you earlier. I work with you know teens and and college students. I've worked with quite a few of them. Um, but what my typical client is about forty five to fifty years old, you know, in perimenopause, um, and you know, some of them are starting to think about menopause and, you know, maybe like hormone replacement therapy. And I say, I let them know that that's obviously a very personal choice. And, um, you know, I don't do hormone replacement therapy. You know, they have to be referred out to, you know, functional medicine doctor at that point. But I tell them that they really shouldn't even consider that until they've worked on liver health gut health, and they balance their blood sugar. Because oftentimes, if you do those three things, you'll get the adrenals to work better, and you um, may not need hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, we risks and risks and the benefits of that. Um, and, again, I'm there to support my clients and, um, you know, not make any judgments on what their final decision is, but I want them to know that, you know, if they do these things, they may not need to do the hormone replacement therapy. Hmm. So in terms of um, liver support, what are some common, you know, food choices that you recommend for your clients? Right. So, you know, the liver has um, an amazing ability to regenerate itself, and I think it just... It's just given the fact that we're living in 21st century society, um, I just think it's sadly, and I think we all suffer from this, with a lot of toxins. And, you know, it's always detoxifying. That's what it does. That's its job. Um, But it just is probably pretty weighted down. So I don't think that we can just work on liver health by eating the right foods, because I don't really think that there are many of us that, you know, that are eating milk thistle and, you know, things like Spanish black radish, I mean, um, you know, golden golden seal. It's, so I do recommend a program. Um, it's called, it's a standard process, 21-day purification program. I've done hundreds of people on it. Um, it's, it's a challenging program. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, but I would say I, I have... Many people, if they stick with it, they get phenomenal results from it. And it's got, you know, all the herbs that you need, and there are very few people that can't do it. I mean, if you're pregnant or nursing, if you're on blood thinners, um, you you know, you can't do it. I actually had, had, I had one client who was on a blood thinner who insisted she wanted to do it, and I said, okay, you, you really need to speak to your doctor, and... She said, okay, I will, and she did it, and she did great. But um, that's my go-to for liver health is that standard process 21-day purification program. Sure. And when you said it's not, it's not, it's a, it's not an easy program to go through, um, any talk to 
detox reactions that people experience? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's necessarily the detoxing actions. Okay, so about the standard process program, I say it's not easy because um, I always, and I'm pretty straight up honest. It's 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 a little restrictive. Okay, so we're gonna. It's essentially what it is. It's an elimination diet. So we we're removing dairy. We're removing nuts. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying that these are bad foods, but they can be allergenic for people. Mm-hmm. So let's take them out for 21 days. We're removing all processed foods. We're getting rid of alcohol, and we're getting rid of caffeine. So we're going to give the liver a break. We're going to actually give the adrenals a break, too, if, you know, someone's like a big coffee drinker or they, they like their nightly glass of wine. We're going to give that liver a break. Um, so I'll tell you, I always like to joke and say that the people that struggle with this program are the foodies, you know, the people that, like, live to eat and love to cook. Um, so so that's the challenge. It's restrictive. You know, the first week there are a lot of capsules to swallow, you know, and like I said, it's milk thistle and things that are, you know, historically known for enhancing and protecting liver health. Um, and then... Yeah, so like pretty much the restriction and just the amount of capsules in the first week makes it a bit challenging. And then it gets a little boring, you know, you're 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 doing this for like 2 weeks now and you've got another week of, you know, some nutrient dense shakes and um a couple of supplements and you know, the supplements after the first week there's not that many. But but you know, I think sometimes people feel like they miss their coffee or they want to have a glass of wine, but like I said, the majority of people do stick with it and do really well. Hmm. And then after the 21 days, do they, because it's kind of like an elimination diet, they start to add in some of the things they took out or um, how? Yeah, how so we have, <clears throat> yeah, so we have a very specific protocol um, mm-hmm. that we start to introduce foods back in and then, like I said, we start listening to the body. Um, does it change your, you know, bowel habits? Does it you know, make you break out? Um, does it make you tired? Does it change your sleeping habits? So, you know, this is really like a partnership. It's it's sort of like a healing partnership that I have with my clients. Um, you know, they, they have to be really invested in their health and they can't want, you know, a, a you know, a quick fix. They have to we have to start to learn to listen to our bodies again. Mm. And, you know, that helps to, again, formulate a plan for for their health and their food intake going forward. And so with this this liver purification, do you have your clients kind of do it once a year, twice a year, um, or just depends on the person? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a lot of clients who come back and do the 21-day purification program with me um, every single year. And, you know, you could do it twice a year. Um, I, 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 when people come back to me at the six-month mark, I say, oh, are you sure you want that torture again? And, you know, we laugh. And, you know, if they, they you know, they, you know, if they want to do it, the, the thing about the purification program is that it's, I tell people, it's like 90% mental and like 10% preparation. You know, you have to have all the good foods in the house. You've got to clear out the junk. And then you just have to kind of be committed, put blinders on, you know, don't really, like the first week, I would say, don't have too many social commitments. Um, but the first week, you know, you can, if you have to, you can even dine out in a restaurant. You know, again, mm-hmm. restaurant dining, not optimal, 
but I try to work this around my clients' uh, real life. I try to orbit in reality. You know, I know most people are not going to be able to, you know, do something extremely strict for three weeks. So we make it doable. Hmm. Okay. So um, that kind of wraps up, I guess, the liver support. Um, I mean, as far as the gut goes, it seems like it could be something similar, you know, where you're healing the gut, um, eliminating the foods that are causing inflammatory problems. Um, Is there anything special that you do to support the gut? Yeah, so that's a great question because a lot of what we do for the liver um, and the blood sugar, you know, it does tie into gut health. But as far as gut health goes, if we are seeing something, you know, if we're seeing like gas, bloating, um, you know, maybe constipation, that's something I find a lot of women, you know, like my I, my client, my typical client, you know, my my woman 45 and perimenopausal struggles with is constipation. Um, and if I think that there is enough merit, I will have them do uh, like a three-day stool test um, mm. because we want to look for, you know, what's causing these problems. And, you know, Anne, as you probably well know, you actually don't even need typical GI symptoms to have, um, you know, to have a gut barrier, um, mm-hmm. you know, problem. You can have, you know, we even know that like acne can be a, a you know, cause of leaky gut. And, um, you know, there are some, right, the foremost researchers who think that even all autoimmunity stems from, you know, leaky gut as well. But I think that is being considered right now as a theory. So um, if I think there's enough merit, we'll do a stool test. We can do, you know, we can do a test that actually... Um, will measure the integrity of the gut barrier um, as well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then in terms of blood sugar balance, what would you say a typical day in the life of your perimenopausal woman would look like um, in terms of meals that would help balance their blood sugar? Okay, so as far as the breakfast upgrade goes, I am partial to um, to option one and two on the breakfast upgrade. So one is going to be the eggs with the vegetables. Two is going to be the nutrient-dense smoothie. Three is going to – the third one, like I said, is the steel-cut oatmeal. That's really not my favorite because it's, you know, mm-hmm. pretty high in carbohydrates and, it, you know, it, it can spike that, you know, that insulin release, Um but if if a woman is sensitive to insulin, and we know that's that's actually what we want, we want you to be sensitive to insulin, not insensitive. Um, then you know she might be able to handle that oatmeal. Um, mm-hmm. So blood sugar balancing, you know, eggs, vegetables, or that nutrient dense smoothie. Okay, if you've had those eggs with vegetables, you might be able to go for uh, no, you should be able to go four hours. You might be able to go five, even maybe six hours, okay? And if not, then, you know, you have an apple with almond butter or you have some some nuts or um, I'm just trying to think, maybe some carrots with a little bit of hummus. Um, and then, you know, your lunch that's going to look like a blood sugar balancing lunch, you know, you know, it gets a little boring after a while, but I like a great, you know, huge salad, with lots of different dark greens in it, maybe some watercress with a vitamin K, and you want a protein. So 
If you haven't had eggs already for breakfast, you can, you know, sometimes I'll have an egg or two for lunch with my salad because, you know, I'm, I just didn't grill some chicken or, you know, I don't have like an animal protein at the ready, so I'll just make myself one or two poached eggs. Um, you know, it can be, you know, some shrimp so, as a nice source of protein, you know, wild caught if possible, not farm raised. Um, and then, okay, let's skip over to dinner. So for dinner, um, a nice blood sugar balancing dinner is actually not too terribly different than lunch. Um, like some fish is nice at night. I actually like to make a great fish, a halibut that's poached in coconut milk, and it's really satisfying. I'm a huge fan of coconut milk. Do you like coconut milk as well? You know, um, I didn't grow up with very much of it. I've always found it amazing, which is kind of interesting. But um, I do like the taste of it. And, yeah, that's a great way to – I was going to ask you, how do you get healthy fats in there? I know the fish has healthy fats, but the, the coconut oil and the milk definitely uh, amps up the fat content as well. Yes, yes, true. That's true. And I always tell my clients and people, never, ever, ever buy light coconut milk because I would say if you really want to make it light, just add water. Why would you pay? Uh, you're right. You can, uh, you know, why would you pay for them to add water to your coconut milk? So I love that full fat coconut milk. Um, yeah. And that is, um, that is pretty much what a blood sugar balancing day looks like. And you know, if, if, you know, I'm not, so restrictive on on sweets if there is a little bit of a sweet craving you know hopefully it's not like out of control and every single night i you know a little bit of dark chocolate i think is fine you know i I like people to adopt the 80 to 90 percent rule where 80 to 90 percent is for your health and you know 10 to 20 percent is for your you know pleasure and that's not to say that your health you know shouldn't be pleasurable as well because, I mean, you know, as you probably know, eating healthy, you know, it's 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 really like a sensual experience. You know, food is wonderful and fresh, you know, whole food is wonderful. You know, on occasion it can feel a little bit, you know, cumbersome, um, but, you know, it's, it's okay to have treats every now and then. We don't need to be so fanatic, like unless someone has some – serious autoimmune issues or, or is working through something really, you know, serious, you know, you can live a little with that 10%. Yeah. Well, and that's how you can enjoy life. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I find that personally for myself, when I eat well, you know, mostly protein and vegetables and good fat, um, my sugar cravings are less. And, um, so I don't, you know, after I have a meal, I don't really feel like I need to have a dessert at all for the most part. Only when, you know, I'm, I'm um, ovulating or towards my period, that's when I'm, the sugar cravings kick in a little bit more. Um, but for the most part, I don't really feel those very much anymore, which is, is nice. Um, and yeah, <laughs> the 70% chocolate really helps those sugar cravings. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, um, the last thing I wanted to touch on that you had mentioned was nutrient density. I really feel like this is a hot topic nowadays, too, is, um, you know, having the most nutrient-dense foods in our diet to get the biggest bang for our buck because, you know, the, the apple today doesn't have the same nutrients as it did in the 1940s, um, and we can't eat, like, 
60 apples to make up for it. Um, so what right. are some of the um, what are some of the most nutrient dense foods that you um, like to recommend to your clients? Okay, so um, one food that I really like to recommend, um, and you know I struggle a little bit to like this myself, although I have some clients that do like it, but a really great nutrient dense food is sardines. Um, great source of calcium um, and some some healthy fatty acids in there. Um, so I have some some clients that are northern European, and you know they they eat that up. They love it. <laughs> um, you know some of the rest of us um, don't like it, but you know obviously I'm at risk of sounding like a broken record. Are um, are amazing, <laughs> right? <laughs> they have, you know, one of the sources of choline. I always feel a little mm-hmm. sad when people have a sensitivity to eggs, and they feel a little bit sad too, but um, those are great. Um, love hemp seeds. I, those have a really nice nutritional profile to them. Um, you know, one of the things I actually grew up eating was litter, and and I, I sometimes and I laugh when I see these like <laughs> nutrient dense food lists on the internet, um, mm-hmm. like blueberries and you know and, and hemp seeds and like goji berries and you know those those things are great they're fun and you know they're probably good for you, but what people don't realize is that the ultimate and original um, power food you know was and is liver. Um, mm-hmm. And it's what, like, doctors of old used to give to people when they had fatigue and, you know, nothing else would help them. It is really mm-hmm. probably, I would say, the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. So I have not had that in a long time, and I, I was fed that as a child, and I don't remember liking it, but I'm going to hopefully be, you know, working it into some recipes with lots of other things in there. Um, so you can get that good liver in. And then there's always the, um, and then, you know, if you want someone to have the benefits of liver but they don't want to eat it, you know, you can also do liver pills as well, capsules. Hmm. So do you have a go-to liver recipe that you really like? Yeah, you know what, I'm right now I'm just currently experimenting with that, so I can definitely get back to you on that. Um, I, you know, it's it's on my summer, you know, recipe downtime, you know, <laughs> recipe creation to-do list. Yeah. You know, it's um, the restaurant near my house serves liver and onions. And every time I go, I look at it, I'm like, oh, I should order that. But I never quite get the nerve to order it. <laughs> so, Oh, really? Um, at a restaurant? Well, you know, and it's really important with liver, um, super important, as you probably well know, as you want it from a really, really clean source because, right, that liver mm-hmm. is that detoxification Organ, so we want to make sure it came from like a, a grass-fed, grass-finished cow, and um, you know that that you're going to get the best qual- uh, quality that way. Yeah, you know, low well, exposure to the toxins. Yeah, I think food quality is very important, and especially with the eggs too. Um, you know, I get my eggs from a, you know, they're pasture raised. They eat like a non-GMO soy. Um, seed and so and their egg yolks are so orange and delicious Um, so for sure I think food quality um, really matters in terms of nutrient density so those are some great great, um, examples that you shared and 
Yeah, and if you have a good liver recipe, please share it because I'm still, I mean, I eat liverwurst, and I think, and for me, that's good. I put um, on, you know, I've tried to do it on radishes that are a little bit um, snappier or, like, zestier than I like, so I'm going to try them on kohlrabi. Um, and then every so often I'll have it on, like, a gluten-free cracker. Um, but I, I, I don't mind liverwurst, so, which is good, you know. But I haven't okay. had a recipe that I enjoy for just straight liver, so... Um, okay. Yes, I know. I, I will definitely get back to you with that. <laughs> um, so as far as when people are first starting out with you, you know, um, and you had mentioned earlier with that purification that 90% of it is mental, right? Um, how do you help them overcome that big mental block that they may have when they're starting something new in terms of like a nutrition regimen or, or a detox program? Okay, that's a great question. So, so old, old, most of the people that come to me come on referral, and they're usually ready. Like if someone comes into my office and says, I want to do that 21-day program, or I want to do what, you know, so-and-so did, then, you know, they're, it's really, it's a given, okay? If they are just coming to me and they want to find out about it, you know, then, you know, I don't, they may not necessarily work with me. So, so the truth is, is that they're ready when they come. However, I think what I do is I provide a lot of support. I provide them with a journal and I give them recipes and I, biggest thing is expectation management. I let them know what to expect. This way they're not, um, you know, alarmed or concerned. And, you know, they actually always have access to me. So I try to provide a lot of service and I provide a lot of value um, during this program. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, so earlier you were talking about, uh, briefly about like PMS and what you would do to help your clients. Um, and I know on your website you have a PMS survival guide. Um, and how people can manage their PMS naturally. Can you kind of review um, what some of those foundation elements are to help a woman who's suffering from PMS? I'm sorry, you said, can I review? Kind of like the foundation elements of, um, like the PMS survival guide. What what are the key things um, that will help uh, women manage their PMS naturally? Sure, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I want to teach women about their menstrual cycles um, because there really are four unique phases. And believe it or not, and I think so many of us are disconnected from our cycles, um, either because we weren't taught or because a woman has been on the pill from a young age, um, which, you know, is, is just not... It's not reality. You know, you're, you think you're really regulating your period, but you're not. It's, it's really kind of a fake period. So I like to, you know, teach women about their cycles. And, you know, we, we talk, talk about the four phases. And, I mean, do you want me to review each of those phases briefly? Sure. Okay. So, so I would say, like, phase one is the bleeding phase. And, you know, this can last anywhere from three to seven days. Um, to talk about the physical, this is where your progesterone level plunges and that's, you know, what causes those, you know, lining of the uterus to break down and, and shed. Um, and, you know, 
So the emotions, and we, we talk about the emotions at this point. You're going to either feel relief or if you want to get pregnant, you're going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> and, and this is where I tell them, you know, your energy is lowest at this time in your cycle. And, you, you, you know, you may just, those first few days, you may just want to be left alone. And I tell women that, um, you know, ease up. Just don't, you know, don't try to mop the kitchen floor and clean out the closets on the, you know, in the first few days of, of your period. Um, and, you know, the, some healing foods are red raspberry leaf tea. Um, that's really, that, that's, that's my best suggestion right now for the phase one, the bleeding phase, is just to drink red raspberry leaf tea because it really tonifies the uterus and it's got some nutrients in it. Um, I also like women at this point to do like a either a foot soak with um, magnesium flakes just to reduce cramping and to promote relaxation. Um, and they, I also like them to use a hot water bottle on their belly if they need that little bit of extra comfort. Mm. And then we move into phase two, which is the follicular phase. And it, this phase actually... Um, that's for about seven to ten days, and it's when your body um, starts to uh, release the FSH, which is the follicle-stimulating hormone, um, and this actually causes, the, you know, the eggs in your ovaries to mature, and your estrogen and your testosterone are rising now as you're approaching ovulation. Okay. So now this is actually really for most people, this is when they feel the best. Their energy is good. Their mental outlook is good. They have kind of a can-do attitude during this phase. And so I tell people, you know, this actually might be the phase where you you want to, um, like I say, schedule that closet clean out or tackle an extra project at work or, you know, if you want to try a little bit more strenuous exercise during this phase, um, and so that this is the this is the time to rock it out if you want to in the follicular phase. So this is the day that, after your period. Yeah. So the follicular phase is it begins after your period and it lasts for about seven to ten days. Okay. So that's the best time to tackle a difficult project. Absolutely. It's usually when energy <laughs> is the best. You know, and then. Okay. I've divided this into four phases. So then we have ovulation. You know, this is obvious. This is the shortest phase. So, you know, it's one to two days. Um, and this, you know, you, so now we've got this follicle that's swelling, right? And it, it, it ruptures, right? And it can produce a little pain, you know, on either side. And we call this that middle schmerz. It's just middle pain. And it, it's very common. So... Um, estrogen and testosterone, they're continuing to rise at this point. And I just want to tell people, you know, you're going to just keep the good going. And it's probably not a time when your cravings are intense. You know, every woman is different, and, and you know, we respect that every woman is different. And I tell them just to keep 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 on keeping on, keep on the moderate-sized portions of the high-quality protein and the vegetables. Can you see like a... <laughs> you know, a, a pattern with me, protein and vegetables. It's, it's sort of like uh, <laughs> what I love to recommend to people. And I, say, you I know, think that's the, the basics of a good diet. Oh, absolutely, right? So most of our plates should fill up with that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, for the lifestyle tips, you know, 
this is obviously the time to get pregnant if you want to, and obviously equally as well, you know, if you don't want to get pregnant, you want to be careful around that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're experiencing any ovulatory pain, again, that hot water bottle is great. Okay, so the last phase, right, the luteal phase, it's, this, you know, lasts about 10 days and 10 to 14 days. And this is where we see estrogen and testosterone gradually declining and that follicle that released the egg will start to produce progesterone, okay? Now we're, this hormone is starting to rise gradually. And this stimulates the growth of the uterus lining in preparation for pregnancy. Okay, so in the beginning of the luteal phase, it's really not a problem for most women. You can still feel the effects of estrogen and have pretty good moods. And as the progesterone increases, you know, you may start to wind down because progesterone is more like a relaxing hormone. So it's really like the latter part of the luteal phase where I'd like to say all hell breaks loose if you are prone to PMS. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at about maybe five days or so before your period begins. This is usually when cravings start. um, And, you know, sometimes, like, I know when I had really bad PMS before I balanced my own hormones, um, you know, for me, it it wasn't, yeah, I had some cravings that didn't bother me that much. It was really more like the emotional, I just always felt so negative. So, That's the luteal phase, and that's really what most women struggle with, and that's why I try to help them, um, you know, we try to figure out, you know, why are they having such a bad luteal phase. Wow. (laughs) That was a good review. I really needed that. Oh, thank Um, you. Hopefully it wasn't too long. With the the people who are really struggling with PMS, are there any triggers or things that are really affecting um, and contributing to the the bad, the bad symptoms that people are having? Right. So so doctors like to call it like a luteal phase defect or deficit, which you know sounds a little bit negative. Um, you know, it could be a problem with um, they're not producing enough progesterone or they don't actually have enough progesterone in relation to the estrogen that they have. So we call that estrogen dominance. Um, and then, you know, they could be estrogen dominant because their liver is not working as good as it could be and it's not breaking down that estrogen that's spent getting it out of, getting it out of the body. Um, so, yeah, you know, we want to look at those things so that we can start to figure out why are they having such a bad luteal phase, why are they having that PMS. Um, and one of the things I have found that works really well for this, again, it's not, you know, a cure-all. It has to go with a whole lifestyle program. But one of the best herbs is chase tree. I love chase tree. I think it works so well. And it's really, I, I personally have not found with myself or with my clients, any negative side effects from it at all. Hmm. So that's during PMSing, when, when people are, and do you, should people take it right away when they feel the cramps and all the other symptoms, or does it work regardless of um, that you, that you, you are? Right. So with Chase Tree, you, you actually have to take it, um, have people take two tablets of chase tree. I believe it's around 500 milligrams, but it might be more. I'm not sure right now. Um, And you take it every day. Um, And, you know, I 
find, I mean, I've read that it can take up to three months to really work and see an effect. And, you know, that's, that doesn't sound very motivating for people who have PMS, but, um, you know, I've found that it works in, um, I, I saw a result right away. I saw a result within one cycle, but you do have to take it every single day. It's not like uh, you apply it when you get that PMS. It, it's got to kind of build up in your system. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense because it's, it's helping you with your hormones and anything that affects hormones takes time to really take effect. Um, okay. Um, was there anything else you wanted to discuss about PMS? Because I, I, I know you had a question or a topic about menopause I wanted to move into. Uh, yeah, I just want to send a message of hope to women that if they do have PMS, um, you know, they, they – I, I never – and I don't know about you, but I never like to tell any, I know it's an overpromise and tell people, you know, make wild claims and tell them that they can be cured and, you know, that they shouldn't have any problems. You know, PMS can be, it's, it's a complex problem. You know, it's typically a problem of progesterone, but then we have the problem of, uh, you know, I think research is going towards the idea of progesterone resistance. So I like to leave women with a message of hope, and, and that is that they can, they can feel better. It, it may not go away 100%, but they can certainly get a handle on it, and, and they don't have to suffer. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's it to end with, to end with because I think um, I, I take it for granted that I don't really suffer from PMS, but I know a lot of my girlfriends do, um, and every month is just horrible for them. So I think it's, it's important for them to understand that, you know, maybe there are some other options. Um, oh, yeah, totally. So uh, one of the topics you said that you really wanted to talk about, and I was like, when I read, I was like, sure. So, like, so women should start planning for and thinking about menopause at age 30. And for myself, I'm a woman of a certain age, and when I read that, I was like, oh, really? So can you kind of um, go into that into a little bit more detail about why and what things you should um, plan for? Yeah, sure. So... <laughs> Right? Nobody thinks about menopause at age 30. We're all thinking about, like, advancing our careers and maybe having a baby or something like that. Well, so the interesting thing about menopause is that you will have menopause symptoms in relation to basically how much vital reserve you have. So if you have, you know, lived your life in such a way that you've nurtured your health, you've protected your adrenal glands, um, you're going to probably not have too many menopausal symptoms. But um, because, and then that's because, right, when the ovaries go into retirement and they're, you know, they're either making little to no estrogen and progesterone anymore or, or really they're shutting down altogether, um, those adrenal glands have to take over for making your estrogen and progesterone. So if those adrenal glands are really busy pumping out cortisol, which is, you know, sort of like the alpha hormone in the body, the main hormone that helps to kind of keep us alive and, and interfaces with our immune system, um, you know, reproduction, and obviously we're not reproducing in menopause, but the hormones of reproduction, the estrogen and progesterone, they're not, they're not critical hormones. You know, we don't need those to stay alive, really. We need the cortisol to, you know, help us stay alive. It's, uh, like I said, really the alpha hormone in the body 
Um, so depending on, you know, what your 20s, what your 30s have been, you know, did you drink too much, you know, um, did you eat, you know, McDonald's, um, did you not practice any stress management? You know, and I know, I know women are not thinking about this in their 20s and their 30s. So that's why I said I want women to start thinking about this at 30 because, you know, menopause, if you don't somehow prepare for it in the way you live your life, is going to hit you like a brick wall. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because we had a previous guest um, and he has a company with tonic herbs and he said something very similar where um, there's certain herbs that can help you ease into menopause um, more gracefully and um, and some along the similar lines as you was you know have, making sure you take care of your health so that you don't have such a hard time um, that's a good reminder for sure oh yeah thank um, you <laughs> so I guess that ties into you know for women who are in their 30s really career driven really busy um, but they want to control their PMS naturally and they want to take good care of their health so that they have um, easier menopause, How? what are some like tips or, or strategies that you have them utilize to, to make it all fit into their busy lifestyle? Okay, so great, great, great question because uh, we all struggle with uh, good, good uh, healthy habits and cooking. So I like batch cooking. Um, you know, I like to take Sunday and to make like a big pot of bone broth and, um, you know, if I'm having some grain, you know, big pot of quinoa and, um, you know, just get the, get a bunch of uh, lettuce, you know, heads of lettuce in and, you know, I, I typically have a lot of food in the house. I have a double freezer. I know not everyone can do that, but if they can, um, you know, just to have in, that stuff in because, no, I, I also like to tell people that, you know, they should think in terms of cooking simply. Um, you know, if women are busy, uh, I don't think that they should expect to churn out like a beef wellington or, you know, something fancy. Mm-hmm. Like think of, you know, take a little time to, you know, tear up some kale and saute it. And, you know, so you can marinate your chicken in a little bit of olive oil and lemon and some garlic and some herbs you know, if you have the time to strip the herbs from, <laughs> from you know, the stem, and, you know, you can broil that in the oven. And um, the better quality the chicken, you know, the more moist it's going to be, if, uh, you know, providing that you don't overcook it. And, you know, you just do, uh, do a few of those chicken breasts and you'll, you'll have some for salad for the next day. Um, you know, I personally like to think in the morning, you know, what's a little bit of prep work that I can get in so that when I get home at night, you know, I'm not starting from, like, stripping the herbs off, the thyme off, the stem, and squeezing the lemon. So, you know, if you have a little bit of time in the morning, if you do, and I know not everyone does, um, do a little bit of work to make your night easier. Do some batch cooking on Sunday. Um, I know it's really simple, but, you know, think of four meals, three to four meals that you want to cook over the next week or that you just want to have the ingredients in the house for. And, you know, think of maybe doubling at least three of those meals and and relying on leftovers, you know. And if you make, like, a pot of soup, you know, make, make a huge pot so you can have some leftovers. So basically batch cooking and volume cooking and, and just making sure that you have the stuff in the house so that you're not running out to the supermarket every day. 
And then lastly, like I said, just just keep it simple. No, no fancy meals, unless that's where you get your energy and your joy from and you love it. <laughs> I like women to just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some really practical tips. Um, so I guess as we wrap up, is there you know one tip that you can give somebody that will make the biggest difference if they're struggling with their hormone health? Um, this small little thing that they can do to make the biggest difference. Uh, okay, small little thing to make the biggest difference. Yes, okay. So this is going to sound really simple. Um, and, you know, a lot of my clients and my clients are kind of open to the idea of holistic remedies. Um, but a lot of my clients, they want, you know, we all want sort of like that that pill. And, you know, in this in this case, it could be like, oh, that pill of ashwagandha or, you know, something that's going to help us. And, and I do recommend, you know, some herbs and, you know, the right supplements for people. But I always tell them that's not going to work and that's not nearly as important as you taking the time to lower your stress and to practice some sort of stress management. Because, you know, we all have it. It's not going away. And we know that the brain, the body is led by the brain. So if we're always our brain is always processing, you know, stress from our environment, then that's going to affect our body. So stress management, people really don't realize it's crucial to your quality of your life. So, you know, practice stress management, whether that's yoga or deep breathing or, you know, prayer, meditation, you know, relaxation, response, you know, heart mass, extremely important. I would say probably probably slightly more important than even your food and your supplements is to practice that stress management. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm learning that more and more and good quality sleep too, you know, that taking care of ourselves, not letting get things work as work me up as much. Um, I think that's really important. So I love that you use that point to, uh, to wrap us up with. Um, you shared a lot of great information, Maria. So if someone's interested in learning more about you or working with you, how do they get a hold of you or how do they find you? Sure, they can go right to my website and it's nourishandflourishhealth.com and um, they can contact me right through the contact form and I'd love to be able to answer any questions or help anyone out if they'd like that. Perfect. I'll make sure I put your website in the show notes um, as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity. I absolutely love to speak about this stuff. So um, thank you very much. Yeah, you take care. So that wraps up the interview. Um, So, Maria, are you still there? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, I was planning to release your episode in, on August 3rd because um, I had a, a couple ahead of you. Um, and then I'll, what I'll do is when the interview is ready and we have kind of the social media um, things that you can share and the click to tweets, we'll go ahead and send those to you. So if you wanted to share with your audience, you can. Um, and I'll give you a heads up the week before as well so you remember that, that your interview is airing. Um, but is that date okay with you? Oh, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I think it was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Perfect. Um, is there anything else you might need from me? Um, no. I mean, you know, once it's it's going to be a link on your website, right? 
Yep. So it will be a link on the website, and then if people want to listen on their phones, there's going to be links for their phone as well. Um, so there's many ways that people can listen to the interview. Okay. Oh, awesome. I, yeah, I, I will totally share it with my circles. Great. Oh, man, that was so fun. And then um, I'll keep in touch. I'll let you know about the, the webinar thing. It's still, I've never done it before, so I'm still trying to learn, like, the technology. i got to practice it a couple times. With, I have, like, an accountability group that I'm using. Um, and, and then when I feel comfortable, I'm thinking more now, like, maybe in, in August, middle of August or towards the end of August, to do, like, a live run-through of that. So if you're still open, um, you know, after your show airs, I can be like, hey, you know, if you have any specific questions for Maria, she's happy to come on and do a Q&A session. Um, so if you, if that's something you're still wanting to do, we can, we'll have more time to promote it um, and get more people to, to kind of think of questions ahead of time. What do you think? Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally down for that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so I'll keep you posted. Um, so, so that's good. Well, thank you again, I mean, for working through all of our little challenges in the beginning. This was a great interview, and I'm just so excited that we got to connect, and I look forward to just working with you more in the future. Awesome, Anne. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Maria Claps from NourishAndFlourishHealth.com. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at DrAnne.com slash 040. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's the Clean Eating Rules. It's everything that I learned on my bodybuilding journey about nutrition. and It's my number one guide for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get my favorite pearls from the show. The show can be a bit technical with the different protocols that the guests share about what to eat, what not to eat, what supplements to incorporate, etc. And if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while driving, walking the dog, taking a walk, etc. And you're really not in a great position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared. So I've taken all the notes for you. And by hopping on my email list, you'll get the show pearls delivered to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information I've learned, and other goodies. So go to DrAnn.com and enter your name and email address. You can also get my free gift, the pearls and the love letters, by texting FAM Pearls, FAM for Food as Medicine Pearls, all one word to 33444. Again, that's FAM Pearls to 33444. And make sure you follow the instructions on the text message that you receive to make sure that you're all signed up. Did you like the episode? Then remember to leave us a review and subscribe to the show. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. And remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the Food as Medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you. 